So today we're going to read a lot of scripture, because um, that's what the church does, right? So um, before I go into this um, passage of scripture, you can already start turning to Genesis 15. Um, we're actually going to be focusing on Genesis 16, but I, I, I found it fitting to um, just go through Genesis 15, uh, just to give a little bit of context before we dive into the message. But before I start, I want to, I just, there's something I want to say because it's, it's so true. No matter where you find yourself in life, whether you're going through a good season or bad season or whether you were 10 or whether you were 15 or whatever it is, no matter how old you are, there's one thing about humans that we all desire. That's to be loved and accepted. No matter where we find ourselves, we want to belong. It's just the way we are. And I believe we were designed to be like that. And you can, you can be one of those people and say, I don't need that. But deep down inside you do. We all need to belong. And the story that I'm going to tell you, well, in Scripture, rather the, the story that the Scripture is going to tell you is, I would like to actually say it's about belonging. It's about being loved and being accepted. No matter who you are, no matter where you found yourself, no matter what situation you're going through, this story is about being loved and accepted. And that's my hope. My hope is that even for me today, while I'm preaching this message, that even I would walk away knowing that I'm loved and accepted. But I pray that this will be the thing that you leave with tonight. Anyway, Genesis 15. And it starts with a promise. It starts with a promise. Let me just get my Bible out. Cool. So sometime from verse 1. So sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram before he was Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid. Abraham, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given to me children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, Look up, at, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as, a right, as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of you're of the Chaldeans. I don't know how to pronounce all these Hebrew names and everything. Um, anyway, to give you this land as your possession. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, how can I be sure that I'll possess it? Then the Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abraham presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds 
in half. When I was reading this, I found this strange because it says some vultures swooped in down to eat the carcasses, but Adam, Abraham chased them away. I was like, that's a weird thing to put in the scripture, but okay. As the sun was going down, Abraham fell into deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down a darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day. I'm actually going to stop there because that was the whole point. It's that the Lord made a covenant and he made a promise. The promise that Abraham received was connected to the covenant that God established. And last week, Letitia was speaking about how Jesus replaced us when he was on the cross, that there's a new covenant. God is all about covenant, about being in relationship with us. And Abraham was there. He was moaning and crying that he doesn't have a child. And the Lord said, I will give you a child. I will give you a son. So this was the promise. Now I want to even take it a little a step further and I want to ask you, what has the Lord promised you? What promises has God made to you? And each one of us has a promise. I will say that all of us have this one common promise and that's the salvation of Christ. That we are redeemed. The salvation the promise of salvation. But what has God promised you? Have you ever had to go outside and look at the stars and try and count the stars and say, that's how many descendants I'm going to have? Probably not, but do you have a promise? Has God given you a promise? And we're going to move over to Genesis 16, and I, I, I urge you, because I'll get into a bit of I'll get into a bit of context, but I urge you to to keep your heart open because I believe that the Lord wants to do something today, something so mighty, something so powerful. And when I think about it, I can't even I can't even comprehend it. Genesis 16. So this is after the Lord um, came to to Abraham and he spoke to him, and he promised him that he will. Give him a, a son, and uh, it's about 11 years after that. And uh, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So, Abraham, so Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. 
So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. Isn't that interesting that, I mean, it feels like a long time, but not too long ago, the Lord said to Abram, I will give you a son. And let me just go into a little bit of uh, going to some cultural context. Because when I was reading up on this, and there was quite a few things that I found super fascinating about this, this passage of Scripture. But so in the, in the context, in the Middle, Near Eastern, ancient, whatever times, um, what would happen is it would actually be embarrassing for a wife if she wasn't able to bear children for the husband. It's that it was embarrassing for them. And not only that, her duty as the wife was then to go and get a concubine for her husband. I think it's the law of Harambia, something like, I can't remember the exact name. But So this is what would happen. Okay, But think about what Abraham said to the Lord in Genesis 15. He said, you want to give me all of this, but now I don't even have an heir. So for him as a man, this was also, it was a bit of a failure on his part also, that he didn't have a son to pass on all that he obtained in this earth. So the Lord comes and he says, I'm going to give you a son, right? And then comes Sarah and she says, I can't give you children. So what we are going to do is we're going to devise a plan. And sounds a lot like Genesis 3. That's what commentators say. A lot of theologians or biblical scholars such as Seth um, will, <laughs> will, will also say this, is that they're actually, it's like a parallel passage of Scripture to Genesis 3. Because the Lord made a covenant with Adam and Eve. And what did they do? They went and devised the plan of their own. And when they devised the plan of their own, something happened. And it wasn't good. Because that's what we see right here in Genesis 16. Sarah went to Abraham and she said, let's do this. Let's forget about what the Lord said. Let's forget about that promise because we know better. Right? We know better. And what happens then? You see tragedy come into the story. Let me carry on reading for you. This is the part that I'd like to say, this is the fall. And we all have these falls. Because the Lord gives us a promise. He makes a covenant with us. And what happens after that? Ah, oh, Lord, it's been 10 years. When the Lord makes a promise, he makes it on his timing, not us. It's not our time. It's his timing. If he made the promise, he will fulfill it. Not in your time, but in his time. And then when we, when we devise all these plans, what eventually happens? A little while later, we cry out to the Lord for help. Oh, Lord, why have you forsaken me? The Lord never forsook you. You were just impatient. So, once Hagar was impregnated, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. I was thinking about this, because I think what, what Hagar was trying to do, right, instead of getting Abraham a concubine like she was supposed to, although customary, it wasn't actually ideal, it was never the Lord's ideal either, but customary 
what she would have had to do is go and get a wife, a second wife for Abraham. Then she thought that she was clever. She was like, I'm going to get my servant because I have authority over her, right? Because she wouldn't have authority over the second wife. So in means of actually putting somebody else under her sin, under her confliction or her divisive plan, she then put Hagar into the situation in the hopes that she can try and steal Hagar's child so she could mother over her child. There's some mothers in the room. You would never want somebody else to mother over your children. You will fight for your children, rightfully so. Then Sarah said to Abram, this is all your fault. <laughs> I find that funny, but I put my servant into your arms, and now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me, more like both of them. Abraham replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. All right, so, so what, is, what is Abraham doing now? Now he's, he's avoiding the mess that he caused. It's like, she's your problem. You can deal with her. And then the scripture says that Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she ran away. Imagine being treated so badly that you run away. Now, not only did they... Not only were they impatient and not trusting the Lord, their divisive plan has caused destruction. The scripture says, I put before you life and death, so choose life. But we like to choose death. We like to choose the thing that will cause harm. This lady was pregnant, she was scared. She didn't know what to do, but all she knew is, I have to get out. I have to get away because I can't deal with this. I can't be treated like this. So sin will always bear a price. It will always harm someone. If it's not yourself, it will be the people around you. They didn't wait on God. They didn't trust Him. And the Lord gave a promise. And when the Lord gives a promise, He delivers. We see this throughout history. We see this through the Scripture. Heck, we've probably even seen it in our lives. I'm pretty sure if I had to give and tackle this microphone, He'll tell you how the Lord delivers. Because that's what the Lord does. When He makes a promise, He delivers. So we see a promise, we see a fall, and now it's the beautiful part. And I think to myself, Lord, we don't deserve you at all. We don't deserve your love. We don't. Genesis 16. From verse 7. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness, along 
the road to Shur. And the angel said to, to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I kind of also saw the parallel in Genesis 3 again because when Adam and Eve sinned, you know, then they were like trying to hide from God and the Lord was like, where are you? Because he knew where they were. He just wants them to identify where they were. So she says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. That sounds like an overflow of a promise. And the, angels, and the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. The son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> right? He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, you will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Okay, let me, let me just stop for a second. So what's important to, to note here is that Hagar is scared. She's, man, she's, she's been a victim of somebody else's corruption, right? And um, now she's scared. She's, she's in the wilderness, a desert, somewhere there, busy, you know, probably crying or something. And then the, the Lord shows, because the angel of the Lord mostly, when it's used, often is mostly meant to mean the Lord himself, right? So... God comes and he speaks to Hagar. Now, the Lord promised Abraham that he would have a son with many descendants, right? So that promise is now being carried over also to Hagar, which in itself is just, that's absolutely beautiful, right? But then he says, go and name your son Ishmael because the Lord has actually heard your cry. He actually hears you. Have you ever wondered if God hears you when you're crying out? We all do it. We all, at one point in time, look up to the sky and be like, are you even listening? I've done it. Hopefully I'm not the only crazy person here, but I've done it. The Lord hears. Then he says that your child, which almost seems like an insult, says that your child is going to be wild as a donkey. Right? If somebody said that to me and said that my child is going to be wild as a donkey, I would not be very impressed with them. Right? But actually, if you think about it, it's a blessing. He's going to be a free man. The Lord will make Ishmael live in freedom. Obviously, that always comes with some form of cost and people getting upset with you. But the point is, he's going to make Ishmael a free man. And here's the beautiful part about this passage, right? Just after he says this, Hagar says, are you, no, let me actually read it because it's, I'm going to not paraphrase scripture. And Saka's giving me a look, so. <laughs> cool. Uh, let me find it. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord. 
who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? And that wall that she was standing next to, she named it, I don't know how to say it, but it means wall of the living one who sees me. Okay? So, what is so fascinating about this scripture, uh, just as on a side note, some, some uh, I don't know if he's a theologian, a pastor, whatever, he actually said that you can write volumes on polygamy, but there's no other piece of reading material that would actually explain the clarity of the evils of polygamy, right? That's just on a side note. I thought that was cool and I wanted to slide it in there, like a DM. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so, so what's beautiful about this is that Hagar has been inflicted because of Sarah and Abraham's corruption because they didn't want to trust the Lord. But then the Lord comes and he redeems the situation. He restores the situation. He actually comes and says, I will give you a promise. I see you weeping. I heard your cry of distress and I am the God who sees you. I am the God who sees you. When he says that Ishmael will be like a wild donkey, he doesn't just come and comfort Hagar. He gives her freedom. That's what he does. That's what Jesus did for us. When he died on the cross, he didn't just take your place. He didn't just erase your sin. Jesus freed you because he saw you. You right now, I don't know what your wilderness looks like. I don't know if you have found yourself in a desert or if you buy a stream and it's lovely and great. But let me tell you something. You will not leave here today without hearing this. The Lord sees you. God of the universe. He created everything. The very breath that we breathe, He's given it to us. And He sees you. The Lord sees you. And when he sees you, you, are, you know that he has covered you. You know that his love surrounds you. Hagar was dis- distressed, experiencing pain. And the Lord came. Because he didn't just only hear her. He actually came to her and said, I... I see you, yeah. And that was a redemption, a redemptive moment, a moment of hope. Because he took her situation and he restored it. It's a promise, it's a fall, but God is in the business of restoration. What does your desert look like today? How long have you been waiting for a promise? How many times have you devised the plan of your own to ensure that you get that promise?
Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Now, I actually want to ask you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes for a second. The Lord said this to Jeremiah, but I know it applies to every one of us. It says that I knew you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Just think about that for a moment. When you were in the womb, the Lord saw you. Now if you think about where you are now, the Lord still sees you. You are loved, you are accepted, and you belong. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, he made sure that you will reap the benefits and the freedom that comes with that. That you are known by God. And any promise that is given you will come to pass. I'm going to ask the worship team if you guys can come up and I'm going to pray for you. And what I'd like to encourage you to do when they're playing, when, this, when the music starts, I, I want to encourage you to open your heart because the Lord is going to reveal himself to you. So, Father, I pray that as we engage with this, this next song of worship, Lord, Father, I pray, and I, I know that you're going to do it. I just pray that you would open every person's heart here, Lord. That wherever they found themselves, wherever they are right now, Lord, come and reveal yourself. Because you hear and you see us. Come and have your way, Lord. Reveal yourself in Jesus' name. Amen.